Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about now. She's taking care of her voice, so you know that she's not going to shout now. on the Jen Kirkman podcast episode 359 coming at you released on October 28th that of course is United States time I know in Australia it's the 29th or whatever right who cares it doesn't listen you all who cares what date why am I doing this someone could be listening to this in June of 2021 no one cares and it says the date right on the thing, whatever app you're looking at. I don't know. I just, listen. I'm recording this episode on October 20th. That is important for you to know. So again, I always say this. If Trump nukes California, and you're like, why isn't Jen talking about this while sitting in a pile of her own burning flesh? That seems weird. This is a podcast where she talks about her life and what's going on this week, sometimes in her head and sometimes in the world. And she's really not mentioning it. Well, it's because it hasn't happened yet. So there you go. Welcome to my podcast. I am Jen Kirkman. I am a comedian. You may know me from my comedy specials, such as, such as, and such as the Iraq. Do you guys remember that, that, that Miss America pageant contestant who was trying to answer a question about foreign policy? Because, you know, we need our Miss Americas to know about that stuff. So she um, didn't know and kept saying such as the Iraq. So there you go. Um, Anyway, my Netflix specials, I'm going to die alone and I feel fine, which 
came out in 2015 and Just Keep Living, which came out in 2017. They are still streaming now on Netflix. Please watch them. Recommend them to a friend. Oh, I don't know. Tweet at Netflix and shame them for saying no to a third special. They didn't even see the fucking thing. They just said, we don't care, old lady. So there you go. I mean, I've known that for years. So don't even don't even start your petitions because it's just such old news at this point for me. I'm just telling you for the first time. I've known it since 2018. So there you go. Um, I am part of the Misfit Toys Collective started by the fabulous Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap of the Never Not Funny podcast. We're this little podcast collective and we're growing. There's more people coming on board, but in my collective, in my, it's mine now. In the collective is uh, Doug Loves Movies, of course, Never Not Funny, Mike Schmidt's The 40-Year-Old Boy. That's another solo podcast if you want to, if that's your kind of listening, if you don't... Um, if you're like, what would what would the male what would a man's voice doing a similar podcast to Jen be? And I'm not saying he ripped up. This is all going terribly. I sound like I'm saying he ripped off my podcast. He's been doing it, I think, even longer than me. Mike Schmidt's a 40 year old boy, and of course, my dear dear friend Todd Glass. The Todd Glass Show <laughs> podcast is insane in the best of ways. Um, I hope you check it out. And I'm going to be on an upcoming episode of Doug Loves Movies. Um, I think we're going to tape it. Well, probably by the time you hear this, we've taped it. So. All right, there you go. My podcast, what is it? Well, it's a non-scripted, not joke per minute, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, always honest and real. Just me talking to you. How you doing? I picture this podcast as, I always say, it's great for people doing the dishes or who just need someone to distract them as they're driving over a scary bridge. (laughs) I don't know why that's what I say. There's also a Patreon version of this podcast if you want to join. That means you pay for this podcast. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you get all up in arms, why should I pay for this? It's free right now. I know. Listen, I know. Because you get bonuses, Demi. Yeah, now you feel silly for getting all mad. The Patreon version of this podcast, this is what it involves. First, it's patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. One N in Jen, please. And there is a video version. On the video version, I do a little extra talking before I start the podcast that you're hearing now. So... I've already been chatting to my Patreon supporters for about 10 minutes before you came before you came in. And of course they get to see the they get to see me in studio and all my various all the various looks I've had during the pandemic, my weight gain, my haircuts, and now the glorious new no fun fluorescent sign that sits in my home studio, which used to be my home office and lounge and now it's just been turned upside down exclusively for podcasting because that's how much I care. So patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. I have canceled my 2020 tour, if that's not completely obvious as the year is almost over. And I have canceled my 2021 tour. I am not touring. I'm not sure about my future in in this stand-up world and, and what I want from it. But COVID definitely prompted that cancellation. And you know what? I ain't too mad about it. So this podcast is really where you can see me live once a week. It's almost like getting a comedy special once a week, if you think about the video version that way. And and by comedy special, I mean something very loose. And uh, so there you go. That's how best you can support me, because now I am doing this as one of my jobs. So 
patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. Now, let me tell you a little more about that. Besides the video version, which you get just at the $5 level a month with the extra, as I said, chatting up front to the video subscribers, um, you get a 20-minute bonus episode every week. $5 gets one. $10 gets two 20-minute episodes, you know, once a week. So that, what am I trying to say? At the $10 level, two weeks of 20... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And as the levels go up, so, and then as the levels go up even past $20 a month, that involves uh, merchandise and all kinds of things. And then at the $10 level, you get two 20-minute bonus episodes a month plus a one-hour bonus episode every month. That's a lot of bonuses. And um, I I throw a lot of stuff on there, um, stand-up sets that I taped when I was on the road last year. And I post them on Patreon. This is material that you have not heard that has not been on the TV. So that's kind of exciting. Those aren't included in the categories. I'm just telling you, I throw extra things in that weren't even promised. I know. Every once in a while, I've been known to invite everyone into a live chat with me. I know. It's crazy. I'm so generous. So there you go. Patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. Get involved. Follow this podcast on Instagram, which is at Jen Kirkman Pod. Follow it on, I'm sorry, at Jen Kirkman Podcast. On Twitter, it's at Jen Kirkman Pod. And, you know, there you go. Patreon. All right. Is that enough fucking talking? What am I going to talk about this week? Oh, my God. I'm going to talk about Abby Hoffman and the new movie, The Trial of the Chicago 7, that Sasha Baron Cohen is in, and tell you about my mom. I recorded a conversation with my mom. She had a real-life run-in, sort of, with Abby Hoffman. My Ethan hot crush is going crazy. (laughs) An update on the TV show The Vow. As you know, I talked about that last week. I've got more things to say about what I now think are a bunch of fucking idiots. And I have no sympathy for them the way I do other things. I'll explain why. Halloween decorations and what I would do about Halloween. I think everyone's overreacting to the notion that it's canceled. I've got a lot of great I- I've got a lot of great ideas. <laughs> and I'm not even on cocaine. And I want to talk about my experience at CVS with a receipt. Oh, you know that's you know that that's going to be the most important thing we talk about this week. Um yeah, but Jen, um Trump is calling um reporters criminals and <laughs> we still don't know if Bill Barr or Rudy Giuliani has COVID. Um, Melania still has a cough. We don't know if Trump's still contagious. I, I Did you hear me? I said I have a story about a receipt at CVS. <laughs> Let's focus on what's important here. What should we start with? Somebody yell it out. Well, let's make sure we get to this because it is Halloween in a few days. If you are listening to this on the day that it comes out, I have to be honest. I don't actually quite know if Halloween is canceled. I'm going to Google it. Is Halloween canceled? (laughs) Cancel culture. Oh, this is from goodhousekeeping.com. Officials in more than 35 states are reimagining. Halloween events or canceling them altogether. 
Some cities may be forced to create rules and regulations around Halloween festivities this year. California health officials in Los Angeles County have already made headlines as one of the first groups to mandate new rules and regulations around Halloween. As the L.A. Times reports, officials tried to issue an outright ban on trick-or-treating, telling residents that it would be near impossible to maintain safe social distance if everyone took to the streets on the same night. That is the dumbest. And you guys know I am covid Hunt. I don't think anyone should be doing anything. I've loosened up a little bit around it. As I say, I, I assess and I take calculated risks that I don't feel are risks. But then why open the, the hiking trails? I mean, people are jam-packed in those trails and they are heavy breathing and running and a lot of times don't have masks on. And spittle is flying out of their mouth and all kinds of things. And and they're, you know, that's every day. So yeah, trick-or-treating, you might have a bunch of people in the streets, but they have literal masks on mostly. I mean, I don't know. I'm so old that I remember the only way to have a Halloween costume was to buy a plastic mask and breathe in those chemicals. (laughs) for three hours a night to just, you would come home and your face would just be dew. You just, you couldn't even wipe it off. Your face was just moist for three hours. The inside of the mask was melted from your hot breath. I'm sure these chemicals are fine, your mother said as she smoked and her ashes fell into your candy bowl as she was trying to see if there were razor blades. That was the thing. Are there razor blades in these Snickers bars? That somehow, somehow razor blades or very thin pins, this was, this is big scare in the eighties and razor blades, people are putting razor blades in the Snickers bars and yet there is no puncture in the candy wrapper. That's how good these suburban people were putting razor blades in Snickers bars. Well, almost like a magic trick. That was the perceived danger. But not the plastic masks that were made of asbestos. But anyway, so I mean, and then you could also be a hobo and you would put some kind of like, there was a lot of burnt cork going on in my house. And I know that sounds like I'm about to say blackface, but no, it wasn't that. You'd burn a little cork and then you'd rub it on your cheeks for dirt. And you'd be like, I'm a hobo. It's not a real homeless person from the 80s in Reagan's America. A hobo, a fake homeless person that rides on a train. Come on. So anyway, my point is, I I disagree. First of all, Los Angeles has been pissing me off. Mayor Garcetti is a fool and a tool. And he's been... Just opening things that make no sense before it's time. And then this one thing that I actually don't think is a big deal is Halloween. Now, don't have a Halloween party indoors and bob for apples, you fucking idiots. But walk around with your little family that you're potting with and trick or treat and then wave to the other kids. It's, uh, come on. You're not going to get COVID by being outside. Anyway. New guidance established by officials at the Center for Disease Control and Prevention will likely push local event organizers to adapt their events. 
If events aren't canceled outright, it may benefit those at risk for severe complications to stay home this year. Well, yeah, of course. Elderly people with compromised immune systems. Well, where are they? They're not trick-or-treating. Have you heard? <laughs> Ding dong. Hello. Hi, it's me, Granny from next door. Uh, it's midnight, Granny. Well, that's how long it took me to walk over here. I left my house at 5 p.m. And it took me seven hours to get to the front door of your home. So I hope you have some candy because my blood sugar is low. Well, Granny, we only have this one piece of candy left. It has a razor blade in it. I use it to pluck the hair on my chin. Elderly people aren't trick-or-treating. I guess you're saying if you live with the elderly, don't have a party. Don't go trick-or-treating. Come home with all your COVID. I got Snickers, Dots, and COVID, COVID cuties. But here's the thing. <clears throat> this is what I think people should do. Jen Kirkman, <laughs> not an a infectious disease doctor. Virtual only gatherings. No, no, we're not doing that. Carving pumpkins and displaying decorations inside your home and on your porch is also associated as low risk. That's no risk. That's not low risk to decorate inside your home. That's no the zero risk unless you invite people in. Moderate risk. Small outdoor gatherings where individuals can remain six feet apart while wearing masks. Okay. One-way trick-or-treating. Goodie bags are lined up on the edge of a driveway. I think that's a great idea. Visiting pumpkin patches with masks and hand sanitizer. <laughs> that's always a fun time. You don't need to do all that. Um but I, I think this is actually a brilliant point. CDC says on any activity where screaming is expected, no to that. And that is so true. That, that is how you spread a respiratory vi- virus is screaming in people's face. Higher risk, traditional trick-or-treating retreats are handed to children at your doorstep, indoor costume, costume parties, yeah, of course, haunted houses where people, of course, they're not going to go to an indoor haunted house. The only indoor haunted house that's happening right now is the White House, which is infected with COVID. Oh, my God. Who wants to go in there? So, you guys, I don't know if you can hear, but that is my carafe. I fucking finally did it. Oh, re, no more reheating my coffee, pouring hot coffee into the craft. So, this is what I would do, okay? Okay. If I was a parent, I would buy candy. And just like on Easter, and for for those of you who don't celebrate Easter, candy is a big part of Easter. And so what would happen is you wake up in the morning, and my mom would make these spectacular Easter baskets. She would wrap them in so much plastic, like plastic around the Easter basket. Um, But I think it's because we had a cat, and she didn't want him, you know, getting into it. So... I'm going to sneeze. Hang on. Don't worry. It's not COVID. So, um, yeah, you get up in the morning, you go downstairs, you see your Easter basket filled with candy from the Easter bunny and you eat your fucking candy. Then you go to church all hopped up on sugar. But here's the thing. 
Halloween is all about the candy. It's about the dressing up. But the worst part about the candy part about Halloween is you're at the mercy of your neighbors. And you go trick-or-treat, and then they hand you a lollipop. What is that? No one wants a fucking lollipop. Get those at the dentist. It has bad memories associated with lollipops. That means I'm about to have a root canal, or I just had one. You don't know what kind of candy you're going to get. You're just like, "Eh." sometimes you trick or treat. Oh my God, what are you dressed as? A vampire fairy? Oh, that's so nice. And then you look at their bowl and there's nothing left but milk duds. And you're like, no. I'm going to get 50 emails. I like milk duds. I think they're great. And actually, and I'm doing a character of a kid that doesn't like milk duds. Don't email me about milk duds, please. But this way, you can control the candy. I'm going to set, there's the CDC. I'm going to set up a CTC for Halloween. Control the candy. Parents, go to CVS or wherever you get your candy and buy your kids' favorite candy. And on Halloween night, you put out your plastic pumpkin and you present them with a big bowl of candy. They're favorites. And you go, here you go. I love you. I'm sorry I chose to birth you 5 to 11 years ago when I knew full well that we were at the end of the world. I knew something like this pandemic could happen. I had you anyway because I wanted to have meaning in my life because you're not a real person unless you have a child. And I figured maybe my child will have the solution to global warming and climate change, the thing that actually creates pandemics. Anyway, here's your Snickers. I promise I didn't put any razor blades in them. So give your kid their bowl of candy. And then they can get their costume on and they can fucking treat the neighborhood like a runway. And they can walk around the streets parading in their outfits. I mean, this is a great idea. And you know it is. Um, I think it would be fun. Like, just get out there in your costume, whatever it is. It was. It's like a little kid fashion show. I'm a vampire. Oh my god, I'm a punk. I'm a pirate. I'm something from a movie you haven't seen, woman who lives alone and doesn't have kids, but just pretend you like it anyway. And everyone's just marching. And even the adults that like costumes, yes, get into it. Adults who like costumes, dress up like a zombie, scare people. Walk around the neighborhood. Socially distance and don't go on the porches. Show it off. Glow sticks. Headlamps, get out there. All right. But I mean, to me, it's so simple. It's like, hey, between the hours of, and this fucking daylight savings, oh my God, I know some people think the Iraq war is the worst thing Bush did. I think it's when he changed daylight savings just because he could. I'm president. I'm going to do this. <laughs> Come on, someone change it back. I, I can't believe Obama didn't change it back. 
so annoyed with him about that. Daylight, sa- Daylight savings now is November 1st. You dumb fucks. It's supposed to be dark out as early as possible on Halloween. I mean, I know you're not coming home from school anymore, but the best thing in the world was getting out of school at whatever time we got out of school. I literally don't even remember. Was it 2, 2.30, 3, 3.30? And you get home and you've got like an hour to get ready because the sun sets at 4.30 and you trick or treat at 5. Oh my God, get it done. And it lasts for hours. Now it's like sort of dark-ish at like... It'll be dark by like six, but that's, come on, five, start at five. And the whole day just, you know, because you're at the at the beginning of daylight savings, the whole day just feels a little darker than other days. Oh, I love it. I love back in time Halloween child feelings. <laughs> so this is what I think. You give your kids your candy, you dress up. You socially distance walk in the neighborhood and all the neighbors can stand or sit on their porch or sit in the yard amongst their Halloween decorations and they can wave like a little parade. What's the problem? Why is everyone being so dramatic? You can't cancel Halloween. Yeah, actually can. There's a pandemic, but you don't have to be so uncreative about it. Don't leave candy bags at the end. No one cares. As long as they have candy, they don't really care that they got it from you on your doorstep. Like just have candy at home and then walk around being scary. You're walking around outside at night dressed scary. That's the fun part. Anyway, so that's my idea for Halloween. Listen, no one, no one ever listens to me. So I have a text. Everybody leave me alone. Oh, it's just from Amazon. So That's what I would do, okay? That's what I would do about Halloween. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Oh, man. Yeah, so I'm watching The Vow. And I know I said, so when when last week's episode came out, I hadn't seen the, the series finale yet, nor had I seen the new show, Seduced, on the Stars Network. Now, the popular joke going on around Twitter is, huh, who knew everyone had a Stars subscription? I don't. Again, I just take my Apple remote, Apple TV remote, and my smart TV, and between the two of them, I can always figure out how to get something. So I just yell the name of the show into the remote. Seduced. 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 No. Seduced. It never understands what I'm saying. My neighbors are probably like, she's having the worst sex we've ever heard. Seduced. Seduced. I am being seduced. Um, but I found it. So it, and then it comes up. Do you want to add stars to your subscription or to your app or to your, I, sure, charge me. I don't know. It's all going on the credit card that I pay for Apple stuff with. Just fine. 
is a pandemic. All the money I'm saving on going places to charge me. <clears throat> then, then it comes up and you watch it. Eventually, I'll have to go through my iTunes, my Apple, I don't know, whatever it is, and just delete all these subscriptions back when I'm, you know, when I can leave the house again. So, but that show is way better because, see, and I remember these guys were arguing with me on me, not arguing, but when I was saying the vow is taking, I don't mind something that takes too long to get to the point. If I did, I would hate myself. But with the vow, sorry about my stuffy nose today. So with the vow, I think what they're trying to do is give you their journey in terms of how much they knew at what point in the journey. So episode one through seven, you're not going to totally get what a sociopath Keith Rainier, Keith Rainier is. And the truth of Keith Rainier is that he's an alleged pedophile, was having sex with 12-year-old girls at a different point in his life, has possible two murders that are unexplained by, of women that were in his life and in his cult, and then proven sex trafficker man who had a harem of women who he had manipulated cult style into being his sex slaves. And he branded them with a hot fire burning their flesh, his initials into their flesh. Okay. So that's who he is. Now I could, listen, this information was available to me. So I could have looked it up and I actually did know this about him because I had listened to a podcast about Nexium. But let's just, that doesn't excuse bad storytelling, right? I get with something like the Titanic. We all know the story of the Titanic. We all know that the Titanic sunk. So when we watch the Titanic movie and we see everyone getting on board and saying, oh, when we get to New York, you're like, you ain't getting to New York, some of you. We're excited. We know the ending. We're like, how are they going to show us the ship sinking? But not every single person knows this Keith... Ranieri and what this cult is. Some people are tuning in with zero knowledge and for the first time watching it. And I think for me, because it's not a spoiler because you don't know what happens to him and there's plenty of drama with who gets out and how, but to, you've got to start at the end and then you give him the ending and then you start back at the beginning. It's a huge storytelling device used in so many things from fiction to documentary, right? You can start with showing videos of Keith saying, he said, you can rape a baby. That's what he said. He said horrible, horrible things. You can start with that and then be like, I know. But this guy doesn't say that stuff when you first meet him. This is how we got into the cult. But I think what the vow wanted to do was show how, oh, no, it was just like a, a business class for like being better at business. It was just a five-day thing. And then you slowly get indoctrinated. And then you don't know what's normal anymore because you've been psychologically deprogrammed, which, you know, I totally believe. I don't think you're an idiot for having that happen. But I'll, I know at the front I said 
I think these people are idiots and I have no sympathy. I'll get to why I said that in a minute. So I know they want to take us on the journey of, oh, I see. Oh, what? oh, it was just this at first. Oh, but this is the story of these people leaving. Oh, they're figuring things out. And then on episode eight, they sort of drop what they figured out that Keith has this branding thing and, and the sex slaves, which is a really hidden part of the cult that nobody knows about. So, you know, he's living with these women, but then he'll meet with you about something else and lie to your face about it. But the thing is that the, the reason that that storytelling device doesn't work is because once you find out how awful Keith is and what he's done, you're angry, but it's not the same anger that the people in the cult felt when they found out where they felt duped and how could I fall in for this? And oh my God, I feel angry because unlike the people in the cult who really did not have that information until they found out, I'm now watching a show produced by the people in the cult who could have given me that information so that we could treat it as the serious topic that it is. And instead, they center themselves, this guy Mark and his wife Bonnie, they center themselves instead of the women who were the victims. And they don't even really center Keith, who is a sociopath, who's the most interesting thing in this, and who actually needs the most admin, uh, we, we need to admonish him more. We need every episode examples of him being a monster. I think it's even better storytelling to go, wow, how did they do? Because I think that the producers of The Vow and this guy, Mark, who is kind of the star of it, I think he really thinks that we're going to watch episodes one through eight and go, I see how they could have gotten involved. Most of us still don't see it. Those business classes that they originally took to help them be better at business still look like multi-level marketing cult kind of things. And I don't necessarily think I'd be sitting in one of those business classes going, I bet this is really all about this guy eventually getting to the point where he gets to keep sex slaves. I wouldn't think that, but I would be like, this is a bunch of bullshit. I have my own spiritual life that is, you know, not based on giving anyone $3,000 for five days of some kind of workshop. I, I, I just could smell bullshit. I live in LA. You don't think I'm constantly bombarded with opportunities to go to any kind of anything like this? Never. It's just not. So there's plenty of people that just don't I've even been in the worst places in my life, just so desperate for answers, you know? And I always just kind of went to a bookstore. I don't know, you know, I, I don't, I'm not saying, oh, aren't I great that I don't fall for cults, but because I've definitely fallen for shit, trust me. As we all have, you know, it's very human to be in a very vulnerable position and and when we're in that vulnerable position, what's beautiful about it is we're kind of in a state of surrender, right? We're, we're thinking, I don't fucking know anymore. My way isn't working, you know? But you got to be wary of who then is willing to help you out of that. Is it people that for free can do it or say, here, buy this book or, you know, I teach this yoga class, come take it, it's five bucks, you know, is it that or is it, I've got all the answers. Now, first you must disconnect from your family completely. And everything you thought, you know, it's like, anyway, so I just think they did a bad job storytelling. And I, and I was tweeting about this over the weeks. Oh my God, is anything less interesting than someone talking about Twitter? It's just so part of our culture now that it is 
crazy that I'm one of these people. Um, because I just used to be like, oh my God, these guys talk about Twitter and their stand-up specials. And now I talk about it on my podcast, which I think is a little bit different. Anyway. And these guys were like, well, that's actually editing. I'm like, I know what editing is. I'm saying it's shit editing. So anyway, the seduced comes out. The seduced comes out on stars. Now, in the vow, they are trying to get this girl, India, out of the cult. Her mother is Catherine Oxenberg, who used to be on the TV show Dynasty, and she's actually royalty. Her her grandmother was the princess of Yugoslavia at one point. So India has completely disconnected from her mom. She's really young. She's in her early 20s. I think she's only 20. And she's one of Keith's sex slaves, blah, blah, blah. And so that's what's happening in the last episode of The Vow. They're trying to free India, figuring out with cult experts, you know, how to talk to her, what to say, what do you say to someone who, when they're in such a cult, they turn on you, you know? So, but with Seduced, which is about India, in episode one, within 10 minutes, you learn that Keith has had sex with 12-year-old girls. You learn that he starves the women in his sex cult or, you know, encourages them to count calories and be anorexic and that he is really into pedophilia and that some of the big speeches he made to his flock, you know, once they were full well in was this thing about the Roman empire. And, you know, a lot of men were having sex with 12 year old girls and they liked it. They loved it. And they didn't know it was wrong until society then came in and said, this is wrong. And you could see people's faces kind of like, uh, okay, but well, all right, well, you know, and, but I just think what's so funny is I just, so anyway, with, with on Seduced, you, you get right away how awful he is. And then you, she kind of tells her story of how she got involved in it. And I, I just think the storytelling is way better and it centers the women and how they're victims. And in the vow, what, what people are saying on Twitter is that this guy, Mark, who um, gave a lot of the footage to the documentary, and he's like, was one of the, the head guys. He wasn't, he really didn't have anything to do with the branding and the sex, um, sex slave stuff. And he's like recorded every conversation he's ever had with Keith Raniere. So he does have his proof that he's like, I didn't know. And then once he started to find out, he confronted Keith and Keith was like, you know, manipulated him into thinking he was crazy. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting that this Mark guy um, knew and covered it up. But, but in other words, there's just something weird about the vow in the sense that it almost seems like a puff piece on the people that fell for it. Like he keeps saying, not everyone means to join a cult. You don't get involved and go, I'm joining a cult. And it's like, that's a great talking point. And I know what he means. And it's a really helpful way to help us understand that you do get snookered in a little bit, you know? But some people can just smell this shit. And and I don't think this guy is one of those people that's blessed with being able to smell this shit, you know? And I don't think his story is typical. This could happen to anyone. Technically, yes, but it could happen to anyone who is the type of person that falls for this shit. I mean, I'm sorry. There's types of people. And I don't think he realizes that. And I don't think he realizes how... He's really making himself the victim when he was one of the people that had the most power in this organization and nothing bad happened to him except that he got his mind taken over for 10 years and 
he probably feels he lost a lot of his life from it. And he did. But okay, that's it. Other people were getting uh, burned with a hot poker and raped. So, you know, it's kind of strange when he makes it all about him. And you're like, I get it. But there's, there's more to it, you know, and I'm just not interested in this boring slob story. <laughs> you know, but I love Leah Remini and Mike Binder, Mike Rinda. Mike Binder, he's the comedian that I'd never heard of until he started making this comedy store documentary, which I do not want to watch, speaking of cults. Anyway, but... um. You know, I love Leah and, and Mike Rinder because they were both high up in Scientology and, and Mike Rinder was charged with, I don't mean charged, but he was tasked with, you know, harassing people that were leaving Scientology and Leah was all up in it and really believed it. And, and they're trying to get, they're trying to end Scientology and they're trying to explain, they're not trying to explain away how they fell for it. They do, but they're not really making excuses for themselves. They're just like... Let's just keep exposing. And there's something about the vow that's like these people making excuses for themselves, Bonnie and Mark. And there's this one scene where they're at a coffee shop. Now, I don't know how staged it is, but I remember last week I kept saying this show has kind of a whiteness to it. You know, like, God, it really seems like maybe mostly only white people fall for cults. I I feel like, you know, if your descendants were in any way enslaved somehow, right? I, I would I would wager a bet that there's less Jewish people and black people in cults than white people. I feel like there's there's something and, and you know there's something in your DNA that's like on the lookout for being taken fucking advantage of. I don't know if that somehow I feel like I just made an offensive statement, but there's this black woman in a coffee shop and she's, she's with these two white guys and they, and they say to Bonnie and Mark, what are you guys doing? What's the camera crew? You know? And he's like, Oh, it's too hard to explain. And she's like, well, give me the 32nd elevator pitch of your documentary. He's like, okay, I was in a cult, blah, blah, blah. Now I don't know if that's all staged. It kind of seems like it, but this woman goes, Oh my God. Cause they're in Albany where the cult was. And this, this woman goes, Oh my God, I, I had a meeting with them once and I just, they just kept talking about how they were going to save the world and their ideals. And she said, yeah, I just, I was like, no, thanks. And Bonnie, you can see her like she's about to turn into like one of those white women, that those Karens that we see on Twitter who are just getting angry and about to call the police because a black person's walking around. Like this inner white woman rage started coming up and she's like, well, you don't understand. I had a different experience, you know. They were very nice to me and, you know, I really needed the help at the time. And the other woman was like, okay, like trying to acquiesce, like, sure. I mean, yeah. And it's like, but she didn't say she had a bad experience. She said she had a meeting with them and she thought they sounded bullshit. (laughs) And, you know, these people, Mark and Bonnie act like nobody could have snuffed them out. Nobody. If you were ever in a room with this, you know, ESP course. You would have been sucked into. It's like we wouldn't have. Not everyone is. And for some reason, they're the least interesting victims to me. Like, I don't care that they were sucked in. There's other people that I care more about, that I have more sympathy for. I don't know why. They're just not likable. When it just comes down to it, they're not my people. Anyway, so 
what's interesting though is I think actually by the time this podcast gets, I think actually even to like on October 28th, Keith Ranieri is being sentenced. He could face life imprisonment. So they do end up catching him, which I actually didn't know. And right now he is like this week going to be sentenced. So that's pretty awesome. And I hope he does get life. So the other thing I was watching was the uh, Trial of the Chicago 7 written by Aaron Sorkin. It's really good. It's really good writing. You know, I know we all know Aaron Sorkin's a great writer, but it, it, it's got this snappy, it's funny. And I'm a big fan of Abby Hoffman. You know, uh, if you guys don't know, I think it was back in 2013, I did this podcast called the Dead Authors Podcast, and it was to benefit this writing program for kids in LA. And, you know, the podcast was once a week, and it was filmed live at the UCB Theater, and Paul F. Tompkins was the host, and he played the author H.G. Wells. And the conceit was that H.G. Wells got in a time machine and ended up in modern-day UCB Theater LA, and this other dead author also got in a time machine and met up with him and they have a conversation. And, you know, the comedian that plays the author gets to dress up like the author and you talk like them and you have a totally improvised conversation with Paul as H.G. Wells. Totally great fun. And I did Abby Hoffman one time. I've always been really interested in him. And he's from Worcester, Massachusetts, Massachusetts. And what I liked about Abby Hoffman is, you know, I'm a big fan of any now, not everything, so don't send me things. I like what I like and I'm all set. But but I I do like things about the 60s in the sense of I really like the acid hippie. Uh, I love Allen Ginsberg. I love Timothy Leary. I love learning about it, even though I'm so not like that. But I was always interested in Abby Hoffman for using humor to affect change. And also, I mean, when he wrote that book, Steal This Book, it's really a guide to how to protest without causing violence and if violence happens to you what what to do like your belt loop can be this i mean it's actually really smart book and that's why he called it steal this book he just wanted people to have it um but ended up being a bestseller but anyway i'm i i like that people like abby hoffman existed you know this this just like east coast jewish revolutionary of course, he killed himself in 1989. Um, it turns out he was bipolar. And like when the excitement of the 60s kind of wore off, he was getting into like selling cocaine. And, you know, that doesn't go well for bipolar people. And he OD'd. They're not sure. Some people say it was suicide. Some some don't. But anyway, so it was it's very tragic. Like, obviously, sometimes the greatest people that are revolutionary and, and all that kind of thing um, it might be why they're not afraid to get into trouble because they're you know, they might be on some kind of manic thing. But anyway, I'm very wary of, and this is something I'm learning more about, you know, in the last 10 years of my life is white people causing trouble, making it worse for black people, right? So I don't want to over glorify Abby Hoffman, but I think he wasn't quite that type. He wasn't the oh, it's a Black Lives Matter protest. Let's also take this opportunity to say fuck Wall Street and let's throw a Molotov cocktail in a bank. And that, you know, like the way that some young people, uh, white young people just getting into politics, Bernie bros, don't really understand that. But but Abby's thing was just simply protesting the Vietnam War and all the kids that were dying, right? But it's interesting to watch it. I mean, it takes a few liberties. Like the ending is not what happened. Um, 
Oh, God. Hang on one sec. I'm getting an email that I have to look at. Uh, no, I don't have to look at it right now. Um, hang on. Okay. Well, that was annoying. That's what you get on this podcast. I've done this all the time. Oh, a lot of people are asking me to reset my Instagram password. Interesting. I don't think so, bitch. Um, I know a scam when I see one. So, what was I fucking saying? Anyway, I really liked the movie. It took some liberties. There's a courtroom scene at the end. It didn't quite go that way. But you know what? It was good movie making. Um, but you know, you, it's it's good to watch you young people because everything, everything that's happening now that's really scary has always been happening. I think that's the scariest part, right? Is that like it feels like not a lot has changed, but um, it's nothing new. Right. So I feel like it would be important to watch. I mean, the only thing that has changed is we don't have a draft anymore. So that's good. Sometimes I think. um, I don't know. I feel like I used to think there should be a draft so that more people would give a shit about wars, but. That's a whole other topic, and I don't really know what I think. But anyway, I feel like I'd be so annoyed by these people now. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I, I do appreciate it. I do appreciate where it is and where it was. And and uh, anyway, so my Abby Hoffman's always just been like, I don't know, just I was just that kind of kid. Like in my house, we talked about Abby Hoffman and Lenny Bruce. I don't know why. It wasn't like we worshipped them. We just like acknowledged them and we were like, okay. So my mom always would tell this story of um, being at this hotel, at this motel in Florida. So before I was born, my parents used to drive down to Florida from Massachusetts. Sounds like a nightmare with my sisters. And they'd just stay in Florida for a week. Then go to Disney World. It would just be like, it's warm weather. And they'd stay at this motel that had, you know, like a kitchen. And my mom telling this story about she's cooking pork chops. <laughs> anyway, so and this one night, Abby Hoffman was in the bushes. So that's all I remembered. And so I asked her to tell me about it. And I get this whole other story this time about how Abby Hoffman's sister was being a slut and trying to seduce my dad. And it's fucking hilarious. It's just really quick. So I was talking to my mom the other day on the phone and I was like, oh, you got this Abby Hoffman movie is great. Too bad you don't have Netflix you know, blah, blah. And Sasha Baron Cohen's in it. Oh, I said, you know, I don't think Abby Hoffman was a bad person. I mean, I wasn't very political back then, but I thought, well, he's not doing anything wrong. He's just protesting and there's a war and he's, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't think he's doing anything wrong, but I don't see why the police had to be so violent. But here is uh my mom. I think this. Wait. I think this is gonna work. All right. Uh, all right. Start over about meeting Abby Hoffman's parents. Okay. So back before you were born, we used to go to Hollywood, Florida, and stay in a little motel. And um, some of the friends of ours stayed there too. So um, when we 
when we, you know, got there, um, we used to sit around the pool during the day and the kids would swim and um, there was this woman there and um, she kind of took a shine to dad and she would flirt with him. Oh. <laughs> and, I, and I was young then and kind of good looking, nice figure, but uh, he seemed to kind of, you know, fall for her uh, tricks. And so when I would go in and cook dinner, which you know me, I always have to cook dinner. I stay outside where I belong. This has been happening. So anyway, he, she would go out in the afternoon and 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 wear a men's t-shirt without a bra under it. <laughs> she'd jump in the pool and it would get all wet. You know the wet t-shirt thing. Yes. And so I'd I'd be making you know pork chops and mashed potatoes and the whole big dinner, and you kids would be inside. I wasn't born yet. yet. No, no, young uh, kids. Yeah. And so Dad would be out, still outside, and I'd go, well, our dinner's ready. He'd be like, oh, I'm not really hungry right now. And I was like, yeah, I think I know why. And so she just was relentless. She wouldn't leave him alone. So another day, um, she said to him, I'm going to the library. Would you like to come with me? Now, you know, Dad and libraries, <laughs> they don't mix. So uh, I was like, I think he said yes. I'm like, what? You're going to the library? You would never go with me. What are you going with her for? <coughs> oh, she's going to do such and such a thing. I was like, no, you're not going. So anyway, um, we didn't know who she was, but she was staying with her parents, an elderly couple. And um, during the night, there was this big ruckus outside, um, but we didn't know what it was, so we stayed indoors. And in the morning, we found out that Abby Hoffman was on the run. And he had come to the to the motel and banged on the door and then hid in the bushes because he wanted to see his parents because he knew he was going to be uh, in prison. Yeah. They, they were after him. He came to see his parents. And um, and where, his parents like, lived in the motel or no? Yeah. No, they were staying there too. Oh, okay. It was a very small motel, one floor, you know, place in it. It went like around the pool. So it was probably like maybe um, 20 different little places. They were very nice. They were, you know, in the living room, a kitchen, bedroom, you know, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, was, you know, they were just ordinary Jewish parents. They were not rich people. They were just, you know, and they were just down there. I think there were people who had stayed all winter. And so, yeah, people told us in the line. They said, do you know who was here last night? And we said, no. Said Abby Hoffman, he came to say, say goodbye to his parents because he thought he might be either killed or something might wow. happen to him. And, and so, so then yeah. we found out that was his sister. Oh, interesting. So uh, there's my parents. It's such a Massachusetts thing to always have to be like, you have to name everyone's religion, the nice Jewish family, and then you have to say people aren't rich. That's how you get it. They're not rich. Don't worry. No, nobody's rich in this story. Like, if you're like, I bought a blanket. I'm not rich, though. It is such a Massachusetts thing. Oh, my God. I didn't even get to the fucking CVS receipt. So there's my mom. My mom's running with Abby Hoffman. I did the research, and I found out that most likely that was not – he was not on the run after his um, – all of the guys in the Chicago 7 did get get sentenced, but they I don't think any of them ended up serving time because the thing kept being appealed. And, uh, but he was later arrested, I think five years after the trial of Chicago 7 for cocaine possession. And I do believe that's when he went on the run and hid in the bushes. 
Can you imagine if my mom met Abby Hoffman? Hi. Oh, hey. Uh, <laughs> just running from the revolution. Well, your sister is hitting on my husband. Oh, I'm sorry about that. You're a beautiful woman. Well, don't get any ideas. I'm not doing anything with you. Um, I don't know. I just wrote my crush on Ethan Hawke is going crazy. That's all I was going to write. I just feel like he's like, listen, we all go on and on about Keanu Reeves. He's our Gen X hero. But I think Ethan Hawke really is mine. I, he's my favorite actor. I, I, You know, I, I feel like I wonder if... I, it's... I feel like when I watch interviews with him, I'm like, oh, if he and I went to dinner, it would be seven hours long. I love guys who are talkers. Um, I, cause actually I like to shut up and listen sometimes. So sometimes, and he's just such an amazing actor. Uh, but I've just been seeing a lot of interviews with him lately because of his show, the good Lord bird, which is good, but he's a maniac. He's just such a maniac, good actor. And I like that. He's, I don't know, just not afraid to get ugly and I think he's way better looking than Brad Pitt. Fight me. I think he's getting better looking as he gets older. I never had a crush on him during Reality Bites. I hated him. And I'm so glad he got past that Gen X thing, you know, and became a real solid actor. Anyway, I'm just, just giving a shout out of appreciation to Ethan Hawke. It's always been very hard for me to admit my love for him because the bully in my life was named Ethan Hauke. Just one letter off, H-A-U-K-E. He was the meanest boy to me. He was one of those those stories I tell with boys will be boys and I beat up someone with a hockey stick. That was him. I always say a different name, but it, that was him. And uh, I mean, we had physical battles for years. He's such a shitty person. <laughs> and my dad went to talk to his dad one time and my dad came home defeated. His father wears a leather jacket. He's a real tough guy. Oh, but this Ethan kid was just a fucking asshole. And anyway, um, so I've always been like, I hate Ethan Hawke because of Ethan Hawke, but they're two separate people. And there you go. Um, this week, I'd love to give a shout out to my podcast subscriber, Sam Prey. Uh, Sam is at the $35 level. He gets a shout out. Now, the the $35 shout outs have ended. It was a limited time offer only. So anyone new signing up to the podcast, you will see that. But we still have some listeners left to shout out. And Sam, this is, you know, I'm going to tell a little story about Sam. I... He is a he is a guy who um you know the movie Speed with Keanu Reeves I just mentioned Keanu Reeves and and Sandra Bullock now I've never seen it but I know it's about a bus that's going out of control and they have to control it well that is a true story based on Sam Sam's a bus driver in Alaska and one day he gets on his bus and it just starts speeding out of control it turns out that there were these terrorists in um actually Hawaii. It was, it was, a, there was a whole big thing between Hawaii and Alaska that not a lot of people know about. Um, they were, they were just very competitive for like, who's going to be the, you know, not actually part of the continental United States, like who's going to win. And, uh, so they had a lot of psychological warfare going on. So these terrorists in Hawaii put a remote control bus in Alaska and it just happened to be Sam Prey's bus and he gets on it and he realizes it. And so they're controlling it from this remote control that can reach from Hawaii to Alaska. And, you know, he's got people on the bus and it is going out of control. And so to calm them down, he starts doing these Shakespearean monologues and people are like, what is this guy doing? And so his actual real name is not Prey, but um, they, they, they would say, well, Prey tell, because that's what people thought 
is Shakespearean. Uh, it, it's a whole long story, but he became Sam Prey because that that was his little nickname. And uh, and somehow these Shakespearean monologues calm people down. You know, he would do Hamlet and he would do Macbeth and 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 people would laugh. You know, he's Sam's one of those guys that when he tries to do something serious, people would crack up. So when he's going out, oh, damn spot, you know, and playing Lady Macbeth, they were howling laughing. And he was like, you know what? Whatever it takes to distract these people because we are about to die. So the bus was going faster and faster and faster and faster. But what the remote control from Hawaii didn't uh, account for was the ice, the ice on the road and the bus slipped and it started like flipping and doing like a total 360 degree turn. And it went right into a nice soft snowbank and the wheels were spinning. And so Sam said, everybody get off the bus, everybody get off the bus. Now they were stuck out in the wilderness and they had to, you know, set up a camp and a tent and, and all that kind of stuff. Now, I don't know where they got the equipment. I think it's kind of an old, you know, an old story where it's like, why was there suddenly camping equipment? Um, but yeah, him and these, you know, seven passengers, uh, you know, they thought they were going to have to eat each other at first. So it was a little contentious. But Sam um, took apart the bus and he somehow fashioned a walkie talkie out of the bus, out of the parts of the bus and the radio. And he signaled to, you know, mainland Anchorage, Alaska, and not mainland, but like the capital city, and people came to get them. And what was so funny, I mean, it all, it just almost seems like meant to be, who came to get him? Who are the people that intercepted his signal were a bunch of Shakespeare in the park actors. There, There's a thing they do in Alaska, you know, they do it in New York City, Shakespeare in the park. Well, in Alaska, they do it. Um, and it's freezing in the park, but everybody sits around a fire pit, and they're all dressed up in their, you know, furs. And so these Shakespearean actors came down and rescued the people with sleds. Um, each actor pulled a different, you know, a person on a sled and Sam told them, oh my God, the way I got all these people to calm down was to do Shakespearean monologues at them. And the actors just thought, well, this must, this must mean something. This is really special. The sad part of the story is it didn't really mean anything. You know, no one knows the story. It's not a big story, like come from away, you know, about the people that ended up living in, in new, is it Newfoundland when their plane got, you know, uh, relocated on 9-11. So anyway, I mean, I I keep telling Sam, he's, he needs to tell someone this story. I mean, this is a big deal. As for the terrorists in Hawaii, they were apprehended, and it turns out um, that it was Vincent Price who lives, it's a whole thing, but they did a documentary about it on the Brady Bunch. A lot of people think the Hawaii episodes of the Brady Bunch were, were episodes like normal, but those were documentaries. And um, Vincent Price, who you guys think he died, but he really didn't, he lives in a cave in Hawaii and, and worships tiki's and, and it was him um, using that remote control. So it's a pretty crazy story. And I'm, I'm grateful for Sam for being a $35 subscriber. Sam pray everybody. Oh my God. I can't believe I wanted to talk about this CVS receipt, but I've run out of time. <laughs> Do you guys think you can wait until next week until I talk about the CVS receipt? I know I set you up, but Hey, if you're a new listener, now you've got something to tune into next week. And hey, by the way, this week's 20-minute bonus episode, which uh, the way it works is that, um, again, if you join patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman, this is the fourth week of the month. So it is the fourth 20-minute bonus episode. So the people that have access to this are people who are subscribers at the $20 level and up. And this week's bonus episode, I will be talking about Jeffrey Tubin, CNN analyst and writer for The New Yorker, who was jerking off 
during a Zoom meeting and the entire mainstream male media is like, what, it was just a mistake. I will be giving my hot takes on that, which, you know, it's again, it's going to be a week late, but so what? You don't know what my takes are. Um, doesn't matter if they're late. They're, they stay in cement. So I'll be talking about that. So if you go over to patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman, you can hear that if you join up at the $20 level. If not, join up at the $5 level and you can still hear this month's $5 bonus episode and all the other ones that go all the way back to March. So join now and you've got a ton of stuff to get you through the end of the year. All right. Uh, what else do I have? Is there anything else to announce? Oh, as always... Coronavirus, COVID-19 is raging, raging, raging. Healthcare workers are still stuffing down their PTSD, stuffing down their trauma to save lives, and they still don't have the PPE they need in many cases. So I donate 100% of my earnings from my merchandise sales to an organization called fundthefrontlines.org. Every $25 gets someone the PPE they need. So basically what happens is you shop in my merchandise store and you get fun things like pillows or mugs or pins or stickers or t-shirts or sweatshirts or hoodies or onesies. And they have all kinds of sayings that are things that you remember from either my stand-up, but there's podcasts, there's ones that say feminist as fuck and women are literally humans. And I meditated today, motherfucker, and I'm not fun or I'm fun or I seem fun or over 40. And again, notebooks, all kinds of different things, you, phone cases, computer cases, you can get so many different things. JenKirkman.com, click shop, and it'll take you to my store, T Public. And after they take their cut, they send me a check, and then I send it to fundthefrontlines.org. So there you go. If you need to shop for some things and you want to donate to charity, but you can't afford to do both, well, I just I just helped you out there. Um, I think that's all I wanted to say. Somebody wrote me an email that I will read next week. So send me an email about anything you've heard. Um, the last few episodes, I seem fun at gmail.com. And uh, maybe I'll take a little more time with those next week. There was just so much to talk about this week. And happy Halloween. Oh, my God. Is the next episode going to be? Oh, my God. The next episode will be the day after the election. Now, here's the problem. In order for me to get this episode to my editor so that he can make the sound sound perfect and so that we have time to upload it and I fulfill my contractual obligations to my podcast network and all kinds of things. I cannot record the episode as late as, and I don't want to spend election day recording an episode. So just brace yourselves for Wednesday, November 4th. That episode will be taped probably a few days to a week before the election. So it'll not have anything to do with the election. Maybe some people will want that. I know for me, I hated listening to podcasts the week of the election last time that were that came out the day after the election, but they weren't about it. So sorry, everybody. Sorry. That's just how November 4th is going to go. But yeah, the next episode will come out after that. It's not really that interesting, to be honest. Um, but hey, there you go. So until next week. I feel like there's something I'm forgetting. And the minute I turn off the mic, I'm going to be pissed at myself. I really think I said everything I need to say. Well, I think that's it. 
Patreon, yep. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Anyway, until next week, have fun, please. Please, for fuck's sake, have fun. My God, shit is so crazy. (laughs) 